This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Amir. And this is also Amir. And you're listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Life from the perspective of a gay South Asian married couple. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. That was that jingle again. How weird is that? Do you know what? It sounds really good. I'm like, good for me. Who are these people? Good for us. Good for them. <laughs> a few people have said that they really like it. I'm not surprised. Do you know what? Me neither, to be honest, because I think it's really cute, and I think we sound cute as well. Oh, I think I st- sound stunning, and you sound so cute. But it's really strange, because it's like, we have a jingle now, so I always get stuck on how to like get into the episode now. Maybe we should pray at the beginning. Oh, please, no. Maybe that should be our way of, you know, entering into this podcast episode situation. Maybe we should, should do we try s- it? seance. Shall we try it? Okay. You know what? I will let you lead on this because I don't know where this is going. Okay. Everyone, this is the You Don't Love Me podcast. ASMR edition. Oh, for fuck's sake. Not again. Welcome prayer. Dear creator of the universe, if you actually exist... Or Big Bang. Oh, let's pray to the Big Bang. Dear E equals M squared, thank you for spinning the world throughout the universe for us to inevitably be born and create this wonderful piece of art known as the You Don't Love Me podcast, created by the You Don't Love Me boys, featuring Amir and Amir. Because had it not been for us, this world would be nothing. Thank you. You're welcome. What the fuck was that, Amir? That was a prayer. Oh, and also thanks everyone for listening. Do you get what I mean? Like, oh yeah, obviously. QXR. I, okay, that was a prayer. And you know, if you're listening, there's no harm in just messaging us, letting us know what you think, and screenshotting, putting your Insta story, tagging us in, you know, and giving us some love. People do that, you know. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Why? Because I'm not worthy of love. <laughs> do you know what? He, he, he always finds it weird. He's like, oh my God, someone listen to us. <laughs> Yeah, like somebody will message saying, oh my God, we love your podcast. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do wrong? What happened? Which bit did they listen to? What did I say? No, I tell you what, I think we are sort of on our way to creating a virtual community that keeps on growing and growing and growing. Oh, wow. Okay, then. What? You really went there, didn't you? 
<laughs> Do you, like, some, you mean like us or like everyone's creating a virtual community? When, where? What are, what are you talking about? Because you're like, I think we're on our way to creating a virtual community. Yeah, I think through the You Don't Love Me podcast. Oh, do you? Are. Well, we are creating a really positive space and, and an entertaining space. I think our com- small little community is definitely growing. Do you oh, not think? Yeah, I guess so. I'm just not one to boast, you see? I'd, there's a fine line between confidence and delusion and... I am confusion. <laughs> no, but I genuinely do think that. And we just love doing dumb stuff. And it's so nice to see people responding, especially with our latest Halloween looks. Girl, they were looks, weren't they? I'm sorry, but we popped the corn and fed the children. Somebody had the audacity to ask me as to who painted us. They were like, oh my God, who did you make up? Wow. I did the makeup. Wow. Oh, wow. Are you saying I didn't do anything? Lady wow. Bush, Lady Bushra did the makeup, girl. Do you know what? It was really fun. And we, we sort of just had, we just went with it. It wasn't like entirely planned out. We just went with it and had fun. We were like, oh my God, these are cute pictures. Let's post them. It was planned. In my head, it was planned. Oh, in, your, in his head, it was planned then. Listen, my autistic ass was like, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And do you know what? It came out better than I thought. I really liked that. And also, I was saying to you that like those three pictures that we posted probably were the best representation of our relationship than any other image that we've taken together. I'm telling you. Why do you say that? Because it captures everything. We're goofy. We have our non-bright side, should we call it, but we are light and color at the same time and we like doing odd things and we're oddballs like that image is of those kids who go to a halloween party and actually dress up scary do you know what i mean everyone else is like oh i'm princess jasmine scary and we're like full on you know dead inside but you know what i want to be dead inside slash hot do you know what i mean like hot dead very that's my aim for halloween like oh sexy hot him scary but bite me bitch come on hot dead guy very that hot dead guy oh hot dead guy is a very aesthetic do you know i'm very good at aesthetic did you enjoy halloween this year i know it's a bit different we carved pumpkins we stayed inside we did some loops yeah i really enjoyed it i think it was really really nice because i feel like we actually celebrated halloween in a weird way because usually mm. i stay away from going on nights out and stuff on halloween because I don't know. It's just a bit heavy for me. But this year I was like, I'm going to come out. And we didn't. But then we um, did the stuff at home. And as usual, we walked around the apartment complex and uh, spooked people, which is cute. Anytime someone looked at me, I was like, boo. Boo. That was it. So next year for Halloween, what do you want to go as? Side. Say say it's all over and you get to go out. Side note. Can we just talk about how I just came up with a great drag queen name? What was it? Hot Dead Guy. Oh, okay. Please I, welcome to the stage, hot dead guy. I don't think that's a great drag queen name, but anywho. Or a, or a that's a good drag king name. Listen. Yes, drag any, king name. Any, good. any drag kings listening, hot dead guy, do it. Go for it. Spook. You're welcome. Audition, get onto the Boulet Brothers drag race thing mm-hmm. and uh, make you coin girl. Anyway, what were you saying? If I, I was, could do Halloween, how would I do it? So no, I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, see how he doesn't listen to me, people. Um, next year, you know, lockdown, smockdown, it's all over. We're going out for Halloween. What are you going as? Okay, in 2027, <laughs> I, I think I just want to push it more and more and more. I like creating discomfort in people, you know, and I think there's fun in doing that. And I think that's probably more unpredictable than a lot of other stuff that people do in Halloween. Like, 
Halloween is very much, oh my God, I'm so edgy, but remember I'm hot. So there's a lot of half faces going um, around. Why are you coming for me so hard? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a lot of half faces. Like people will do a half skull. Or I saw these two guys and don't get me wrong. Their makeup was amazing, but they were dressed as, so, well, they were painted as skulls, but the pictures are all holding hands and like <laughs> kissing each other and all this stuff. And it's like, oh my God, we're hot dead guys. I'm going to move away from the hot dead guy narrative and even girls as well. It's like, oh my God, like I'm a scary kitten, but like I got my hair blown out. Do you know what I mean? It's very that fishnets. No, I want to be uncomfortable. Like I think next year I'd probably want to go as a pig. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing? I didn't see that coming. Okay. I just did not see that coming. What the fuck are you on about? Okay. Fucking Percy Pig, Peppa Pig, what are you doing, girl? No, right, listen, right. You're right. <laughs> Miss Piggy <laughs> and Lady Bushra have a lot in common, right? Imagine Miss Piggy in a sari with a bloodshot face. Like she's like she's been to the slaughterhouse but managed to escape. Oh my god. Like, they see Miss Piggy, went to the slaughterhouse, some vegan saved her, and now she's, like, completely tormented and looks gross. You know, I'm down for that. Mm. You do that. And On like, a night out. Yeah, and I'll call myself, like, Lady Bacon Rashes or something. Oh, don't call yourself anything, babe. Okay. Just leave it. Call yourself babe. Oh, my God. I'll call myself, like, saved by a vegan. Percy Pig. Peppa Pig. Oh my God. Okay. So like, how great is the Peppa Pig? Um, <laughs> oh my God. Tube? He's obsessed with the Peppa Pig theme tune it's at the moment. so good. Please no. See, for me, if I'm going out Halloween, I still want to be comfortable in what I'm wearing. And that's a big issue. Mm. You know, I'd love to go all the way, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. I want to get my life danced and have a good time. You know, I'm still advocating for you to go as a sexy kitten. So contra- that's contradicting everything you've said about people going as kittens and stuff. Well, it's not contradicting who I am, which is a hypocrite. Very, very true. I don't know. Maybe I'll go as like, I just want to go somewhat hot. There we go. And like sickening, like thigh high boots, fishnet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hypocrite. Like, I want to go as Ariana Grande. Oh my God. Oh, I could go as like, you know, like some kind of fucking dead skull graveyard zombie thing. Dead Blood s- everywhere. Skull graveyard zombie thing. Oh, like Britney Spears hit me maybe one more time. Evil version. Oh my God. Always shave your head, put you in a grey hoodie, give you an umbrella and and you can go around attacking cars. Babe, that's a low blow. How? The the queen herself. That is an iconic look. I know, but I ain't doing that look. Like, I'm not doing that. I want to look, I want to look sickening and you can look like a fucking pig, you could be. I would look like such a great pig. Oh my God. Maybe <laughs> you're revealing what you're doing, actually. Do you know what? You think he's going to do a pig, people? Watch this space. I'm not doing a pig. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to you, Julie Noted. Oink, oink, bitches. Oink, oink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm doing a pig. I mean, I'm going as a pig. He's going to fuck a pig. I'm going as a Halloween. I'm going as a. <laughs> oh, hang on. Yeah. Right, guys, Miss Piggy, Slaughterhouse, Lady Bushra, Vegan Saves Her Life, 2021. Peppa Pig. Okay, what's going on with this episode today? Well, right, the time of recording, we're a few days away from my birthday, and a few days away, so happy birthday to me, people. Thank you. Thank you very much for all your gifts and presents, you know, everything is amazing. Insert crickets. 
fuck off. <laughs> you can PayPal Lady Bushra to give me money. It's on her Instagram. And we are about to head to lockdown two. How do you feel about... I'm sorry, we have to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. How do you feel about this four-week lockdown? Uh, it's cute. Like, great. Let's are you okay it. with it? Because you know how long it is. Well, we don't really truly know how long it is. Let's face it. Mm. It's an expectation that it would finish in four weeks. But, you know, Manchester has been in lockdown for months and that was supposed to only be for two weeks. And then it turned into three weeks and three months. And then we were in tier two and then days later we were in tier three. And then now it's a national lockdown. So I think it's just I think it's probably going to be longer than we anticipate. I think we'd probably be in national lockdown until probably Christmas, then they'll lift it and then they'll put it back on. I think, I think you know, the whole lockdown situation probably won't finish till around January, personally. Mm. But don't you think they'll have to relieve lockdown before Christmas so people can go shopping and the economy can be thriving and money can be thrown into it just for a bit of time? Oh, it'll be a Christmas miracle. Oh, yes, of course. It'll be then, a Christmas, they'll, then they'll win, won't they? It will be a Christmas miracle. Boris, our Lord and Saviour Johnson, <laughs> has put us under national lockdown. He will then lift it so that people can do their Christmas shopping. And then it will be like, oh, go, go, go inside, go inside. And then, you know, the day before, he'll be like, I think for Christmas, we should give ourselves a couple of days to go and snuggle granny. And that's what we'll do. And then it'll be like, oh, he did the best he could. Oh, he made Christmas happen. Let's sit down and watch the John Lewis ad together. Very and, that. And then it'll be like, no, 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 go back inside. And then the people are like, oh, we did our Christmas and he's doing his best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. You will have all those people who um, are as, you know, glorious as chandeliers, but not quite as bright. And they will be all... Yeah, he did amazing mm. and yeah, pff, whatever. But so, yeah, it is what it is. Look, they should have done it weeks and weeks ago. You know, I, I have a science background. I'm a big believer in science. And if someone as uh, reputable and as, as prestigious as the, what is it, S-A-G-E, SAGE, you know, that organization, that institution, if they are recommending going into a circuit breaker lockdown five and a half weeks ago and you ignore them, and then start playing politics with people's lives, that's low. But that is all what we can expect from the current government. And this is no, you know, Tory, Labour, Green Party, any party sidings. It is just, I'm talking this particular cabinet. I don't give a toss about what anyone's political views are. But, you know, this particular cabinet is very lad-like. And it's very like, we do whatever we want. And hail Britannia and all that jazz. And, you know... They've been really, how can I put it? They've, they've just, they've just been really lad-like with it all. And then it's only when push comes to shove is when they make the decisions because they're practically forced to make them. And this is just another one. And we will pay the repercussions. I think the lockdown will be more than four weeks long. I'm so sorry I asked. You're welcome. <laughs> Listen, I was keeping it light and airy fairy. You did this to yourself. Yeah, but I thought I was going to get like a cute answer like, yeah, I'll be fine because it's four weeks. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Oh, bitch, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. I'll be perfectly fine. You worry about you. Uh, you worry about you. Boo. I will because I'm going to be breaking down every day with no gym. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel free to keep those breakdowns to yourself. I mean, I'm joking. I love you, her loving husband, supportive, whatever. But oh, like, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's going to be tough for both of us. I know it is, but do you know what? I'm strong. I will get through it. The thing is, it, although, you know, I know you're saying it's longer than four weeks, I'm going to 
keep to that and I'm going to keep plodding along. We've got to keep plodding along. But for me, is it a lockdown really without education closing, schools closing? Is it? Nah, it's not, is it? And that's where the virus is spreading um, in schools and universities. The virus is spreading quite rapidly. I don't know. I'm not in schools and universities. Is it? Yes, it is. No, well, you know, what can you do? Well, I think that's a nice little segue into what the episode's about this week, don't you think? It's about viruses. No, it's not. It's about education in the nation. Education. I love that title, Education in the Nation. I'm feeling that. Oh, that could be the episode title. Are you feeling it? Education in the Nation. Yeah, very good. Education in the Nation. So, Or Educating the Nation. Oh. Tell you what, we're going to go to our PR marketing department and we'll get back to you guys. We will. We will. Stay we'll tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, as a lot of you are aware... I have I've been a teacher for six years and, you know, gone into middle leadership from that as well. So I've got a really good experience of what education is like in this country from the government perspective and what they're trying to shove on to teachers from the teacher perspective and from a leadership perspective as well and point of view. And education is really, really important for everyone. And it's changed a lot since we were in school. And Amr and I went to the same school, as some of you may know, and we call it surviving. Babe, would you, would you say you survived that school? I'm surprised that I didn't get pregnant, end up in a council estate, married my first cousin, went to jail and failed all my GCSEs. Like that was the dream for a lot of people at that school. So yeah, I am I am quite proud of myself to actually come out of that alive. Like mm. it was a full on race war school. It was like mental. the racism was high, the homophobia was high. And and I when I say racism, you know, both sides hated each other and it was sacrilege for me to hang around with white people. I knew, and I mean, you know, obviously I made a joke just now, but I knew of girls who wanted a child, uh, you know, as soon as they turned 16, because they knew that the council would give you a free house. That was the, the dream for people. I knew of kids who'd gone to juvenile prison because of joyriding and carrying out all sorts of crimes. And, you know, it wasn't uncommon for someone bringing knives into school. And my own brother was a drug dealer. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was a tough place. But then again, my sister came out as a doctor from the same school. And I came out as a cross-dresser, so go figure. No, we, we did well there. We, we survived it. And for me, it was so interesting because... You know, the, the pass rate at GCSE, for example, in that school, around about the time we were there, we were there, I think we're in its 20%, maybe high 20s, early 30s, which is really low. You know, really, really low. And like you said, there was race wars. There were Friday fight night where people used to go to the graveyard and fight. There was a lot of twagging or truanting or whatever you want to call it. The attendance was poor. The pregnancy rate was one of the highest in, I think, West Yorkshire in that school. It was you the know, worst the, 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 school the, in Bradford Council. The, one of yeah, the worst, anyway. The, like... The light thing about it was having to walk up that hill and going past a smoker's tree every morning. A smoker's tree, just there. You know, drug dealing was high. People having sex in the toilets. Just so much. And I don't understand how we survived. And that's the experience that we left with education. See, and for me, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got out. I don't know about you. You know, I, I, I think, I, I really don't think because I think I was in sort of survival mode of, you know, me and my friends, we had each other. We were going to get through this. I was doing well in school and I was pushing myself through education because I knew it was the only route out. And I was thankful. There was a lot of shit teachers. Oh, I knew that it was terrible when I was there. Yeah, there was... Let me just finish. Sorry, I'm just answering your question yeah. that you asked me. There were a lot of shit teachers, but the saving grace for me was some, a few very, very incredible teachers that did the best they could with what they had. And they were the saving grace for me. You know, they were completely saving grace for me. 
And I don't know about you, did you have one or two teachers that you thought they were just fantastic and they deserve better? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My favorite teacher was uh, Miss Herbert. She was an English oh, yeah. teacher. I think she got married again and she changed her name. She was what some people would describe as a battle axe. Like she was really strict and like you could not breathe in her class. Do you know what I mean? She was one of those teachers, but I absolutely loved her because she taught English so well, so, so well. And I think, you know, I did really, really well in, in her classes. I don't think I was somebody who got along very well with her per se, because she wasn't that type of teacher. You know, she wasn't work uh, she wasn't someone out of the freedom writers do you know what i mean she wasn't those type of teachers but she was absolutely brilliant in what she taught and i think that is one of the best experiences that i that i take from from the school which was her so if you're listening miss um miss herbert shout <laughs> you're gonna out say to another you. one then weren't i you? was gonna say another one and i don't want to talk about I know who. but which and she was fine as well but like yeah miss herbert she was brilliant i absolutely loved her i think she had a bit of a tough life i think she i think she'd just got divorced when we came into her life so she wasn't best pleased wow. with life because her name used to be something else and then she changed it and then i think she changed it again she, yeah she was great she was great i could really see you liking her for me i think what you find good in a person in a workspace is just a level of professionalism where they're just yeah. really good at what they do they don't have to be like personable or anything but they come in they get the job done and you like that and i bet you anything you liked her because no one would breathe in that classroom yeah, I appreciated the discipline. Like oh with my, my maths, with my maths class, I think um, my te- my teacher's target was to I think at least get five percent of the class um, a C grade. What set was this? Uh, I think it was set two, <sighs> and I think I was the only one who came out with a B or something. Like no, nobody else did well. I, I like it was such a terrible class, and even science was kind of hit and miss. And also because I'm on the spectrum, I have a certain way of dealing with people and situations and I'm quite forthright and I think sometimes it's difficult for teachers to handle that or at least it used to be the case because I would have teachers burst into rage and I would not understand as to why like I would lift a chair and they would put me in detention or like I remember there was one of my science teachers and she said, oh yeah, there's 365 days in a year. And I said, actually, there's 365 and a quarter because of a leap year. And I just thought I was being clever by knowing a bit more. And she just completely screamed the house down. And she was like, "Always, you're always just nitpicking at stuff and you're just such a know-it-all and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess it's wrong to be smart. See, there's many things with that. Okay, Where, we, Whereas with English, that wasn't the case. See, we both loved English as well. It's like mm. cre- creativity. It's about... Um, interpretation and justifying it and you know yes. that that school i've got to admit has some 
fantastic English teachers. And I'm not being biased as an English teacher. Um, England, and the same with the oh, heart. But the English department often is the heart of a school. Mm. And it's that beating heart of the school. And, you know, the English, I had some fantastic English teachers that I'm still in touch with. And they inspired me to take it on. They pushed me and I loved it. And, you know, I had a fantastic head of sixth form. We got along really well. And it made up for some shit teachers. You know, I remember my resistant materials teacher was like, in a double period, used to go out and get high and then come back in. And okay, he was like, okay. What was his name? Don't say it on just... He used to get high. Yeah, well, he was. Do you remember how dirty he was with his I, fingernails and his I thought hair? He, I thought he just smoked. No. So basically, his teeth were minging. Yes, but, so I, we actually brought him over from my middle school. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You were a middle school kid, so weren't you? He, he's the one who gave me the detention. Sorry, guys. We can't say names. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw him a few years ago and he looked even worse. That, oh, he's probably passed away. Yeah, he used to get yeah, he, he rest in peace he used and to all get that high. jazz. But he was, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. He used to be really nasty and mean to me and i recognize it more as i'm older and he used to put me down so much like he used to be always run basically in our school was a sports and technology college so you had to pick, pick a technology yeah. that was terrible about them all of them so the sewing one was not for me because i was shit and that teacher used to bully me and be horrible because i couldn't sew and um, the food tech one <laughs> no. um, babe i think you'll find that teacher's name is rupaul <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to okay. sew uh, graphics one, I ain't drawing. So resistant materials was the one left. And I was like, great, I'll pick this. Made a few friends there. We had like a little emo loser table, which was really cute. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you true. said it, not no, me. No, it's true. And I remember it was two years there and he was like, you're rubbish, you can't make anything. Thankfully, 20, 30% of it was making something. 20% of it was, 30% was like coursework. The rest of it was an exam. So uh, brilliant. The exam is piss easy in that, in that course. And the coursework's easy as well. And I remember he was always around the labs. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they can make everything, oh, they can saw yeah. things. And it was always one of the lads. And he was like saying to me like, oh, you're probably just going to get a D or an E. Like, look, look at these people. Look at these people. Guess what? Two people in that class got an A. No one else got an A. Um, a girl and me. How interesting. And on results day, guess what he said to me? If you worked a bit harder, it would have been an A star. Yeah. Do you know what? He used to always have his favorites and uh, it it's coming back to me now. Yeah, he did. He used to have his favorite lads and he was so weird. And he had, he had the blondest hair I've ever seen on someone, but it was so unkept and he had really horrible teeth and you could smell the smoke and he had crap under his nails. And he used to always wear that white cardigan, that yes. thick white cardigan. Oh, you're making me like, you see my face. And he used oh. to like smile grimace. It was like, it was like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like a really Halloween gross version. It was so weird, but he knew the answers to the exam. I don't know how things worked back then. Like, well, <laughs> with with SATs, you used to be able to um, look at the papers an hour before the exam. Everything. So you used God. to be able to open the papers up an hour before the exam. And I think with some of the GCSE stuff, it was like the day before, the night before. Like they would arrive in boxes, and you were able to look at them. Beforehand. See now. If so, now obviously working in school, the examiner's office, you know, she she keeps them all and. She, I remember the school that I worked out, she had a son there. And if, right. he, if he, she, she dared even let it out anywhere, she would be like sacked and sued. Like it is illegal. Sacked, sued, sued. Like, it is really bad. So yeah, like, like I was saying before, there's two things, you know. Oh my God. Um, when you look, let me, let me look back at the school that we were at. Sue, sacked, sued. Girl, bye. <laughs> when we look back at the school we are, um, they had um, really poor leadership. So the management leadership was really, really poor. Now we can see how it is. So that's going to obviously have an effect on the teaching. 
and the quality of teaching and learning. And that's going to have effect on the kids, you know, and a lot of the kids from them areas were, you know, um, poor kids, vulnerable kids. They had a high percentage of, you know, these kind of students. And in my opinion, these students can still get the best grades because everyone deserves the best education. Now, when you look at education, I'm not saying every, every school is great, but I've been in a, in a good school. I've been a teacher and you from, and you've seen me be a teacher, haven't you? And what it's like. So from you, babe, Perhaps. I just want to ask you, like, pardon? Perhaps I've yeah. seen you. So like, as a, like a, for you as an outsider a bit, but sort of an insider, what difference do you think, and you're not in teaching, has, has come into education? What is the difference that you've seen? Okay, before I answer that question, I just want to say that I have come up with another great drag queen name. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Sue Sacked Sued. Girl, bye. <laughs> oh sue sacked sued that's such a good name okay what's the question the question is what yeah, differences what, have i seen yeah in education? just through being with me well i think there's a lot more professionalism and i think that there is a lot a lot of freshness that's come in and that's probably because of the high turnover rate in education right now i think before it was a little bit stale and you know, a teacher was in that position for maybe 10, 15, 20 years. And that does still happen. But, you know, there was a rite of passage and all that jazz. And some of the teachers were a little bit somewhat untouchable. But, you know, being with you and seeing how education is, it seems to be a constant review process now where the system and the techniques are constantly being revisited. And there is a science that's been applied, be it psychological or otherwise. And that's really interesting to see. And the needs of the children are being understood a lot better in my opinion and also the ethos of the child being at the center of everything is very very important and it is somewhat similar to what happens in the healthcare background which is the background that I have uh, whereby the patient is at the center of everything so anything that you think of you think to yourself okay well what's going to happen to the patient where is the patient going to go what benefit is it to the patient what outcomes are going to be for the patient so you know you've got great technology you've got a great idea you've got a great system you've got a great new way of doing things but what will it mean ultimately for the patient and I think the similar thing is being applied to education whereby it's a case of what will happen to the child and I think that was perhaps not a not an entirely a core focal point in the past before it was like up oh, the kids are coming in and we're going to churn them out the other end and just throw them out sort of thing they come in and then they go out and yep we've got a new textbook great no you don't have another textbook we're still using the same one from 1756 great let's just do it oh you didn't go into school that's fine I mean that I had taken six months off school in the past you know I'd take 12 weeks off and people would not bat an eyelid and now everything has changed it's like okay well we've got holidays what will it mean for the child okay you uh want to take extended time off what will it mean for the child or you want to have lunch at home what will it mean for the kid you want to bring this new curriculum in or you want to do this new way of teaching what will it do for the children and it's all outcomes based so when i say there's a science applied to it you know there's a lot of emphasis on data and outcomes and that is very promising to see don't get me wrong there is a counter argument for it and it's already forming in my head mm-hmm. because things become a little bit too mechanical and they become too clinical and the heart you know the heart of teaching can be wavered a little bit because it's like oh well what's the point in doing what i'm doing i'm just doing it for data and numbers but i think change is the only constant and i 
do think that there are there is a lot of positive change that's happened in education since I left. No, I completely agree with you. And you know, interestingly, I want to pick up on the point you said about you know you being on the spectrum. Yeah. Like that is not even a, a, a it is a thing now, but it's not even a, a problem or an issue. Like in every single classroom, we have a handful of kids that are on the spectrum from light to heavy. So it's just like a thing that we have every day. I was diagnosed when I was about 29, 30 years old. And even now, it's not as big of a thing. I mean, when I say I'm on the spectrum, I'm very lightly on the yeah. spectrum. It's not heavy at all. But now that I know what I know, when I look back at my uh, years in school, I can see as to what life would have been like for me had I been treated differently at school in light of me being on the spectrum. And and maybe they did make some allowances and just never told me, I don't know, which is why I liked some things and didn't like others, I don't know. But I think by and large, it was not something that many people gave a shit about. Yeah, we know, we know a lot more and we're constantly educated. And I think that for me, like the pluses in education now is, you know, the child at the center of everything, but the care the teachers have, you know, we have uh, so much care. You know, obviously we want to get these kids to the best possible grade they can get to. But there's, that grade doesn't just mean we're, it's an exam factor when churning it out. That, that grade represents something. So it represents a relationship that you build up with a child, a trust. It represents an education that you, you're, you're giving them, the broadening of the mind of the child. You know, things such as, you know, um, people say, oh, why did they need to learn how to, this, how to read this? And why did they need to learn the 10 times table by this? There's more behind that. By learning that, you're, like the 10 times table, whatever it is, it's a functional skill that can be applied to other things. You are, you are yeah. sort of, the brain is a muscle. And you are using the brain in this way. It doesn't mean they're all going to keep it. But guess what? A handful of them kids will keep the Pythagoras theorem for the jobs in future. So you, they, need to be, they need to experience everything to see what they love. And I just love making, I've loved making such a difference. And I'm still in touch with some of my students now, as you know. I love changing their world and their minds and vice versa. Because they've changed my world and my mind. And I've loved teaching them, even when it's really tough and you've got to fucking push through. Yeah. But they're the best moments. But th there are obviously some negative points. You know, we have intervention now, which is fantastic. We care about the kids. We get, you know, personable with them. We get to know their lives. We get to really, really embrace them and let them thrive and push them and push them and they be on board. But it is, when you're looking at the higher powers, too many exams. Too many exams, mm. you know, too much going on. Even you know this from my experience of exam season. Girl. Yeah, they're tr they are over-evidencing the capabilities of the students. I think they've really swung from one to the other because previously there was such a huge focus on vocational courses and vocational elements. And, you know, there was only a handful of us that wanted to go to university when I was at school, let's face it. And by a handful, I mean still a sizable amount, but it wasn't huge. Like, you know, our A-level was a few hundred compared to a school that had over 2,000 students. And, on, and even still, not everyone went to university. Like, it was, it was significantly reduced. And it was a case of, oh, okay, you want to go to university? How exciting. Oh, good, great for you. Whereas now I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are focusing on putting children into careers, whatever career that may be. It's not a case of, oh, well, I'm just going to do my GCSEs if I fail them. Who cares? I'm just going to go down to the college, learn how to lay bricks. And oh, that's no. absolutely fine. And there's nothing wrong with that profession. But now it's being treated as a profession, you know, and it's being treated as a career. And I think the emphasis is 
is um, different and, and it's been treated differently. And that's really, really good. And also, you know, if you've got a child saying, I want to do beauty therapy, they're like, OK, hold up. Why do you want to do that? You know, you can do beauty therapy, but remember, you're good at maths as well. So can you do both? Can it's, you do, it's, do, it's do you try, know what I mean? There's trying just, to keep a balance, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, OK, let's do Because previously... And, you know, different things would wave on teachers' heads. Previously, if a South Asian girl said, I want to do beauty therapy, they'd be like, listen, love, that's a good choice because your parents won't be pissed off and uh, hopefully you'll stay in education and you won't get forced married in Pakistan. That would be a very real conversation that a teacher would have with a student, whereas now it's different. Oh, yeah, well, I... And, and it might still be happening, but, you know, it is changing. I had a conversation with my students last year who ended up, you know, getting a grade eight or nine in English, which is top grades. She was like, I want to be prime minister. There you go. And I turned around to her and said, brilliant, you're fantastic, but guess what? You've got three things against you and you're going to have to work harder than everyone in this room. You're female, you're brown, and you're Muslim. Yeah. Which means you're going to have to work harder. And guess what? She stepped up and she did it and we built a fantastic relationship. I've had students that have had top grades and they've gone into arts. Why not? That's another great drag queen name. You know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, brown female Muslim. <laughs> That's a really good drag name. But you can, you can do what you want. And I love having a conversation around education. But guess what, babe? We can't have a conversation around education without the queen herself. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you? I do. But I was thinking of a funny, <laughs> funny response that I couldn't think of one. Okay. So I don't know if, um, if you don't know yet, there's an Instagram account that grew um, over lockdown. And we both love this account. It's called the History Corridor. And we are OG fans. Oh, of we are OG fans. But we are also OG fans of the person that created the History Corridor, who we've been talking for a while through, you know, the podcast. So we have invited the queen of the History Corridor, Shalina Patel, who is fantastic, to come and discuss education with us a little further. We have indeed, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. She's really, really nice. She's a lovely person, and what a great account she has. And guys, if you haven't checked it out, you should definitely go on Instagram and type the history corridor and you will find uh, her account and it's brilliant and she comes from a teaching background as well of course mm -hmm. so so without further ado welcome shalina patel shalina thank you so much for having me i i'm fangirling such a fan of both of you that you're both absolutely brilliant oh oh stop it stop it these <laughs> <old> continue <laughs> <laughs> no thank you so much for agreeing to take part you know you you are an amazing person. You know this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say that I think, um, I think what you guys are doing in terms of uh, speaking your truth, and there's so many episodes that you guys have that stand out to me. Um, and I just think, honestly, I think you helped me through lockdown with your uh, Corona episodes. And I just think all the people that you interview um, and stuff, I think you just get to, the, you get to the crux of them and it's just fantastic. Oh, oh thank, thank you, so, you much. so much yeah you know. we're glad to hear that um our shenanigans have got you through a lockdown more to come Absolutely. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh god I know. let's not talk about what is about to happen potentially yeah <laughs> as we sit here oh, so yeah actually. you know i just i think you're amazing i think creating the history corridor is in incredible and you created that in lockdown didn't you yeah, so it was it was just one of those things where, you know, we had that thing where we all heard on the news that school was going to be shutting its doors. And we all just felt really, really sad um, about the fact that we weren't going to be seeing our students anymore. And, you know, we had all these plans to teach all these new lessons and that sort of thing. And I've kind of always wanted to do something like this and I've not really ever had the time to do it. And I guess the main thing is, is that I just wanted a way to share my love of history, but especially share and kind of showcase 
the sort of the diverse history that I teach because I just I get a lot of people saying to me and this includes parents as well saying you know oh I didn't really like history when I was at school but now I'm really interested in it and I love it and I feel like history is one of those subjects where I always get the feeling that people would love to redo it and so that's the bio of the account is reclaim your school history experience um, and I think that's what people love about it. It's this mm. the idea that actually you can kind of, you know, most days, obviously now that we're back at school, I don't post every day, but, you know, the idea that in the morning you can kind of have a history lesson in a really bite-sized, small kind of way. And, you know, there's a little bit of homework if you want to take it a little bit further. <laughs> and, you know, it's that idea that, and I mean, you know this obviously from being, from being a teacher, that, mm. you know, the it's that idea that the image that's on there, you know, I, I have this thing where I always say the aesthetic of the account has to be, at the for, at the forefront of everything because yeah. it is Instagram at the end of the day and so it's that idea you know it's like when when the kids walk into your classroom and there's something interesting on the board mm, like as they it, come it in hooks them in doesn't yeah, it, it grabs exactly. attention and they get exactly. some questioning what's going on yes exactly and I like and I like the idea that the images that we post as well it's something that oh it's either something that's familiar to people but they don't know depth about it or it's just something that they don't know anything about and I kind of like that I like to think anyway that that's kind of the idea that you know people are just getting a little bit of education on their Instagram feed between all the banana bread and other things <laughs> you know I think it's so interesting that you mentioned reclaiming your school history or reclaiming the school history lessons because I was talking about this to somebody else. We were in a group setting a couple of days ago, and I was just saying as to how I felt that some of the history that we were taught was, forgive me for saying it, but a little bit pointless in the sense that it wasn't necessarily relatable to modern day life, or at least biased to say the least. And, you know, you want to ask me when the Battle of Hastings happened, 1066, I'll tell you yeah. that. I didn't even bother attending those lessons because it sounded boring to me. But, you know, talk to me about British colonialism and, and what happened uh, during that period of time. There's just absolutely no inf information that we were taught in, you know, our school times at all. And when I was looking at your account, there was a few posts that really struck out to me in, uh, over the um, recent days. And the first one was on the ivory bangle lady. Mm. And, you know, that paints a really important picture around migration yeah. uh, and, and what our perception is of what it means to be British and English and all that jazz. And the other one was um, the uh, Yasuke, I want to say, Yasuke mm. yeah, the Samurai. Mm. How interesting is that? Yeah, really interesting. And I think that's those are exactly the stories that I think are so interesting. And it's it, it comes down to this thing that I like to call interrupting the psyche. So it's this idea mm -hmm. that, you know, for example, the Ivory Bangle lady, you know, she lived in fourth century kind of Roman Britain. And so she her story interrupts the psyche because we assume that everyone in Roman Britain was white. Mm -hmm. And her story quite clearly demonstrates that's not the case. What I found really interesting, I have a few messages from people about this. When you mentioned Yusuke the samurai, and I purposely kept in there the fact that people were fascinated by his dark skin. And, mm. you know, and it's when I have friends, you know, I've had friends who've been and he was in he was uh, in 16th century Japan. You know, and I've got friends certainly who are sort of very fair and blonde. And when they've been to Japan, you know, they've had people asking them for photos because because it's, you know, because they don't necessarily see people that look, that look like that. And it's the same with black friends that I have as well who've said the same thing. So it's so interesting that Yusuke the samurai in the 16th century Japan is was experiencing things that people still experience today of this kind of, you know, fascination, exoticism, all that kind of stuff. I try to sort of find these, these really relatable elements to these stories. I think that's, you know, that's what you're saying about not being able, people not necessarily being able mm. to relate to the history that they learn about. Actually, there, there are so many ways that you can do that. And I mean, I love 
you know, when I'm teaching, I love a premise to a lesson. So I love kind of, you know, I have this example that I, <laughs> that I use where, you know, when I was teaching the students about um, Queen Elizabeth and the fact that she, you know, had many suitors that wanted to marry her. Um, so I made a lesson that was basically Elizabethan Love Island. Um, and the students had to figure out who, who, you know, decide who she should couple up with. And they had to write like chat up lines based on all the different guys that were trying to marry her and stuff. And I think and the kids say to me, you know, we remember that lesson because we remember you played us the Love Island music, you know, and we had to <laughs> write these write these chat up lines and stuff. And I think that's that's also something that seems to resonate with people. So whenever I suggest music that relates to any of the posts as well, yeah. people again, that seems to stick with people. So I think I'm just trying to bring the stuff that I do in in the real life classroom, I suppose, and then sort of try to package it for an Instagram. I think it's fab. I think everything you do is fab. I could listen to you all day, literally. Like when you're talking about how you approach teaching, it's just (laughs) fantastic and it's so interesting. There's been so, in the last few years, certainly with history, there's been so many amazing historians that have been writing uh, so you've David Olasoga, obviously you've got Miranda Kaufman who wrote a whole book about Black Tudors, which is amazing. Um, and obviously David Olasoga has just written a children's version of his Black and British book. And I think what we need is we need the government to fund these histories. That's what we need because actually there's a lot of this stuff that hasn't been uncovered necessarily. Mm. Um, you know, and I'd love to see, you know, David Olasoga's book, he's written about the history of Britain, but about the Black presence throughout British history. I'd love to see that for different types of people. So I'd love someone to write like an LGBT version of that. I'd love to see, you know, a, an Asian version of that, you know, South, whether it's Southeast Asian or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'd love to see different versions of that story because we have existed, as we've just said, you know, we, the, British history is diverse, but it's just that it's always just been whitewashed with them and they, you know, they're, they're not getting access to the people that are actually going to introduce this change. And ultimately, it's, you're not going to see that sweeping change unless it's unless it comes from the top absolutely absolutely honestly i agree yeah i I was i really want to ask you you know when you obviously start the history corridor did you um expect the success of it here oh my god you know know what's so funny is so during lockdown um i had to so i would i'd have teams like microsoft teams chat with chats with my form Uh, it's my former in year 13 and it was so funny because all my form wanted to talk about was oh my god the history corridor like they they were just like miss how how have you become this like influencer overnight i was like that's why i'm not an influencer but they were buzzing like miss you they, followers they, you know what's so funny is they love it they love it and um what's so funny is like i actually i'm teaching a new gcse class this year and it was so funny because a few weeks ago one of the girls stayed behind and she was like miss um i just wanted to ask you do you run the history corridor on instagram <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> and she just kind of smiled and walked away. I was like, okay. Um, but no, I honestly, I can't believe how much it's great. And you know what's amazing is it's, it's literally just organically happened from people just sharing the, the account on their story. That's literally how it's happened. And it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, I don't ever, I'm always really surprised. I always think, oh, are people going to be interested in this <laughs> one before I post it? And then, you know, I wait, leave it for a couple of hours and suddenly it's got loads of comments and or loads of reshares or whatever. And I think it's just, I think people just, I think it's quite a unique space um, on Instagram, I think. It is, and it's really easy because it's bite-sized. It's like you wake up in the morning, you can just read it and it's really yeah. quick and easy like, and you're learning something really interesting. And what you can then do is it's something really interesting. You can take it further and research it. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's what people like about it. And I think I've, I've been really... 
I've been so overwhelmed by the response to it. I had a teacher the other day who she asked me previously if she could do this and she's made a display in her school um, of the of of her favorite things from the account and the kids can she's made like QR codes so the kids can actually look at read the real posts on their phones and I was like that is amazing that people are doing that and I've had messages from from like kids in other schools just sort of asking me to help them like write to their teachers um it's so good it's so good it's just well done thank you I'm really honestly it's literally just the fact that I've just seemed to have found this really positive space on Instagram where people are so I get so many messages every day from people just being being so complimentary about it and it's really really nice so you can use social media for for good I think we've proved that absolutely yeah it's like reading uh, bite-sized bite-sized articles it's really really interesting and also your account is so cool because like you have so many followers and you don't follow anyone like how are you like how are you doing it like here's me being lady bushra cross-dresser on instagram and i'm following every other bob dick and harry because i need um notoriety and you're just like cool with like articles and interesting stuff like like how how you should do influencers influence the influencer class <laughs> yeah you must I, be such so, a cool teacher in your school see, what's so funny is uh, so my brother actually works in social media um and so he is equally as baffled <laughs> as you guys he's like he's just like this shouldn't make sense he's literally like this doesn't make sense how do you not follow anyone and this is just blown up and it's literally honestly it's because people just champion us so much they just, you know, people just share the stories every day and it's just grown um, from there, really. It's, it is, yeah, it, I, I'm just so lucky that I think that the followers are the ones that have that have done this, really. Um, oh, no, no. Yeah. You, you, you've done that. Oh, are you taking credit now? <laughs> I'm, I was just, yeah, was going to say, don't forget us when you're big and famous. No, I'm joking. What I was going to say was... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I've got to say this. You've got, you've got the 10K swipe up feature then. <laughs> yeah, I do. That was a very oh, day, actually. <laughs> Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm like 9,999 <laughs> followers away from that. So. And we are like a little less than that, but <laughs> still. Um, what I was going to say was uh, something. Yeah, like I'm an OG follower. I think when I... I know, you guys I'm, are. Yeah, yeah. Amir was like, "This is this account's come up. This person, I know that I, I know of them. Blah blah blah. You need to follow it." And I was like, "Okay." Like, I love educational stuff in Instagram. And up until I found your account, I was pl- pretty much just like interested in flat Earth conspiracies and like <laughs> fake medicine. Because let's face it, a lot of Instagram is just full of that. Like, it's just full of nonsense. Very so true. Very do you know true. what I mean? So I was like, maybe the Earth is flat. And then I came across your account, and I was like, "Okay, this is genuine, interesting <laughs> stuff." So that's cool. I think if it wasn't for lockdown, I don't think I would have done it. Because I think, you know, schools are really paranoid, obviously, about like teachers being on social media and stuff. So I'm, what's, I'm, you know, it's, it's unless you know me, um, it's quite, you don't necessarily know what school we are, you know, that, that I'm the one that runs the account or anything like that. So I think, and I've had lots of teachers actually messaging me saying, this, I had this idea to do this, but I just never did. <laughs> And I was like, well, sorry, guys, got there first. Well, you've, you've done it so well. You know, you've, your own personal account is private. You've, you know, you've got the anonymity yeah. there. And everything you do, you know, by, like, entertainment media-wise is about the history corridor and about history and educational. So I think you've hit that well, which is why I sort of have took a different way and different backseat into education now because I can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. tough as, as teachers. But I think what you proved is, 
um, social media can be used positively. And if yeah. more schools allow teachers to do that, it will do so much better. See, that this is exactly... This is exactly what I think. I think that, you know, there's so much out there at the moment about, you know, um, the history curriculum and about the English curriculum and all that sort of thing. And I think actually that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to to start this, because I wanted to prove that there are teachers like us out there that are doing the work. And we are we. And I think it's one of those things where you get a lot of people that are like, you know, our age who they are who possibly assume that what their experience was like at school is still the experience of students now. Yes, completely. And, and you know, interestingly, I had a conversation the other day with some people and they were like, you know, we're just anti-school and teachers are doing this and teachers are doing that. And I'm like, hold up. That's not the case at all. Like teachers it, care and they put so much me, into these yeah, kids. It makes me so angry because, because it's, you know what? It's like, I think about when I was at school, I had dial-up internet, you know? Yeah. So to think that, how can you think that, things if every single other job has changed since you since you were the age that you were at school to now then how do people not think that education has not changed either so i I, it really gets my goat that you know people are sort of placed their school experience you know because my you know i loved history at school obviously because i did a history degree but my (laughs) history was totally whitewashed completely whitewashed you know the only asian person we ever learned about was gandhi the only you know black woman we ever learned about was rosa parks you know but it's different now certainly in my school is and in lots of other schools around the country but i think yeah. there is there's just this assumption that it's like static <laughs> and yeah there really is and it's really interesting because you know amr and i went to the same school as well and like we didn't have the best school experience and i think mm-hmm. yeah. it's been, i'm sure it's been interesting for you babe like being with a teacher and me coming home saying this is what school is like now yeah i'm like what is this magical place you talk of like <laughs> you know i'd learn about the battle of hastings and then i'd learn about i don't know where how, how coffee is colonial or colonial coffee or something like that and then somebody would be having a fight outside and that's it bells wrong and we're going home like do you know what i mean just hoping we don't get caught up in drug gangs and now, and now the kids want to stay like do you know when we've been like when you do parents evening we just said they want to stay they want to help they want mm. to be involved it's been to um one of the schools that you uh taught and i've seen it and it's just so magical yeah, and it's such a shows. yeah and it's such mm. a community it's great to see it really really is great to see that um things are changing and you know the likes of yourself uh shalina you're you know you are implementing that change. So more power to you, girl. Oh, it's the be- It is the best job. To anyone listening who sort of, you know, thinking about going to teach or whatever, honestly, I know I, I do like ads for the DFE and stuff like this, but I'm being genuine now when I say the reason why I agree to do those ads and stuff is because I genuinely think it is just, it's the best job. It really is, you know. And yeah, kids wind me up occasionally and, you know, that's, that's life. But mm. God, I'd much rather do that than work in an office. <laughs> oh, it's the, you make such a marked difference on the lives of young people and nothing can sort of match that feeling, you know, when, Absolutely. when you make a difference. Absolutely. And I think also people don't realise how creative teaching is, you know, mm-hmm. is that like, you know, for, as a history teacher, you have to you have to take some things that are really complicated and you have to repackage it for like 13 year olds. That is a great challenge. It's you know, it's, and it's, 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 it's such a great challenge and you, and you get, can get creative with it and, you know, and think about how, how can you sell this essentially to, to 30 yeah. hungry 13 year olds period five <laughs> on a Friday. Teachers are the greatest, like, multitaskers and everything. Whenever oh, I tell yeah. people, like, guess what we do? You've got five periods a day sometimes and you're like, yeah, yeah they come in, you don't know what mood the kids are going to be in, oh, you set yeah. up, 
you've got to do a register, then you've got to mark the late ones, then you've got to like sign planners, and you've got to, you know, do a starter, then go on to the next one, then learning checks. I'm like, we do a lot in one go, and then we do it all again the next yeah. hour. Literally. And it, yeah, sometimes you can look back at a five grade day and think, I've taught about things all around the world, all over the timeline, you know, and it's just, but it's, it is great. It honestly is great. It's really, it's super, re- it's super rewarding and it's super fantastic. And, you know, like I said, you, you're making, um, such a difference however we did talk about you know it is the higher powers i guess oh, yeah. you know, if, if if you were in that position and you were a mm. higher 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 power mm. and you could really implement change what kind mm. of changes would you make to education in this country and that's a really heavy loaded mm. question that we could so, sit about for hours <laughs> oh it is it is and i think i think one of the most important things i think is actually is that there needs to be a whole load. Well, first of all, we need to decolonize the curriculum. Um, I think that goes without saying. Uh, and when I say decolonize the curriculum, because that can really freak people out, that, that terminology. And I'll, tr- I'll try to explain it in a really simple way, which is essentially decolonizing the curriculum doesn't mean abolishing the canon, right? So I'm not saying that we should never teach, we shouldn't teach about Shakespeare, for example. I'm not saying that. But decolonizing the curriculum is about reflecting on what is being taught in schools, from whose perspective is it being taught, and also whose voices are being heard across a scheme of work, for example. Um, and, you know, so, for example, I always, I always use the example of, you know, so if in your history curriculum, women only feature when it's time for the suffragettes, then that's not. So true. You know, then that is not, that is, you know, funnily enough, women have had a significant impact on history. Um, and actually that, you know, you need, so you need to change that. So decolonizing is about, is about gender, it's about race, it's about so many things, I think. Because for me, decolonizing is that, you know, who has upheld these standards? Well, it's sort of, it's white men, isn't it? And so actually decolonizing involves all those things, like I said. And I think, so I think that is something that we need to really do. And that's, like I said, it's not, that doesn't mean, you know, that every single poem you read in English is by a black or a brown, brown person. But it's about ensuring that there is that representation that's there and also the quality of that representation as well also i wanted to say because like i'm not in teaching education or anything like that so I, can, I can say whatever i want right but like you guys are in education so you won't say it and i know you stuck up for uh shakespeare shalina but i'll say it i don't think we should teach him at all because nobody speaks in that language anymore i don't have a clue what on earth he's on about and guess what even actors don't study him like it's one of those pompous things like oh i studied shakespeare good for you go and do macbeth for the rest of your life whilst I go and make Fast and Fury 7. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody Let does me Shakespeare in. anymore. Let me step in here from an English point of view. I, I see your point. However, it, it should be different because with, within, within English, obviously, it's not optional. All the mm. kids, and you'll know this from your school, unfortunately, oh, course, all yeah. the kids have to sit both language and literature. Yeah. So you've got kids with so many different needs that are having to do Shakespeare, which I think is completely mm. wrong. Because yes. it's not accessible yes. at all. I don't know where in the head that this, you know, well, it was Michael Gove that did all this. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I was going to say the Jew. Yeah, so yep. you don't have a brain, you know. He, <laughs> no, I don't give a fuck. He doesn't have a brain. You know, he really thought, it would be brilliant. All the kids are going to do Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, everything. They're all going to understand it. Yes, so our most vulnerable learners that have learning needs that don't have food, that are poor, they really need to learn about Shakespeare. We're going to really engage them. It's so fucking hard. Yeah, well, and that, well, that's exactly the other thing that has to change, isn't it? Is that these decisions are made by people that have no understanding of the different needs that there are in a state educate no. in, in in a state school classroom. You know, their experience is coming from 
you know, being privately, privately educated. I was privately educated. You know, I did not step into a state school classroom until I began my teacher training. You know, wow. so I like, so I get, so I get it. That people, you know, there people would don't necessarily have any reason to to know this unless you're in the government <laughs> and it's something like education. In which case, you should probably, you know, talk to some people and find out, you know, what's going. Because I just, I can't, I don't understand how they can say things like that and just not see how completely disjointed it is from the reality. It's just absolutely. Not. I have a, a, like views on the way we examine students. I don't know how yeah. examining happens in history. Like in English now, it's all exam, 100%. Yeah, exam. it's very, it's very, it's very, very yeah. And at A-level, it's got exams with coursework at the end of two years. And yes. the end of the year, there are no modular exams anymore. There's no second chance in that way. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the way we examine the students in this country? Oh. And would you change it if you could? <laughs> I definitely would change it. I would, first of all, completely get rid of the this linear, the linear module um, that we've got now where everything rides on, for an A-level student, everything rides on those exams at the end of year 13. Um, And I think it's so unfair, especially because I've taught with the, through the modular approach when, you know, the kids can bag that AS grade and then they can, then they go into that exam with, you know, and it's just, it just makes such a difference to, especially the most, the most vulnerable students, the students that struggle, it just, it's significantly less pressure it's so much better for their mental health and all those kinds of things. It'll, it would also be better for universities anyway, wouldn't it? Because universities would then have an actual grade for those students when they're applying through UCAS rather than having like predicted grades and stuff. So it's a win-win for everyone, I think. So I don't really understand why that is the case. I think, oh, you know, I'm going to have to bring up Gove again because obviously he strengthened the GCSEs and it is incredibly challenging. It's so, so difficult. You know, it's for the students that are, you know, the, the kind of those top end students, they they struggle, you know, with yeah. all the content that they have to learn with the fact that, you know, there's a different exam technique for every individual question across the four modules that they have to do, you know, and you're ex- just expecting students just to juggle all this stuff. But also it's actually at GCSE, certainly it's not good history. You know, yeah. the jump, the, 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 the things they have to jump through to answer certain questions, we then have to kind of undo at A-level and certainly at university that has to be undone because actually they're, forcing them to learn all this content they're skewing these questions to fit in with the briefs that brief that they have and actually it's not necessarily creating the kind of students that we that we want to have which is students that have got that flair you know those students that have got that critical eye you know i think it, instead it's you know there's potentially it just lends itself to a lot of spoon feeding doesn't it the way we examine these kids is ridiculous you know and i you know and it's amazing i've seen them, some of the most amazing kids get the most amazing grades but what they've had to sacrifice for their mental health yeah. and what has gotten there and you will and you can vouch for me on this that you know it is gcse's and a levels are so much harder than when we were at school oh my god well I, I, I even tell amir what the kids have to do and he's like what yeah and i'm like yeah it's everything's closed book but no, i've got them yeah. memorize quotes as it yeah. what, you, what what it's, is the point and yeah. they've got to do this and they've got to the essays are writing the juices gcse yeah. is like um the first year at university now like to get that top grade you are doing university essays at gcse yeah. it is re- yeah. it is ridiculous yeah. and like you know it's so sad to see kids as if some kids are like oh i have only only 21 exams i'm a lucky one <laughs> like, yes oh my god it is horrendous it really is you know i'm hearing you to talk passionately about education and i'm reminded of an iconic uh scene (laughs) from the simpsons (laughs) when that lady goes will someone think of the children (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to hear you two passionately talking about education. It's good to know think, that people like you guys in education. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that I think, again, people have got this assumption that teachers are like dressed in tweed and I don't know, just, <laughs> just really, like really boring people. And I think we prove that. That is definitely not not the case at all. Teachers are the least boring. They're really messy, actually. <laughs> They're not boring. They're really fun. And you know what? It's that, sort of that real care for the kids as well. Like, they really become, like, everything to you, don't they? Honestly, the amount of... It's the amount that I worry about my form. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It really, really is. It's, you know, and I think it's... They, you know, they... You know, you see, they see you, you know, like I say this to my form, like, you know, they see, they see a lot of us more than they, or they talk to us more than they talk to their own parents. Oh, yeah. All the time, you know, and I think, and you know, I you mentioned parents evening before, but I love it. <laughs> and also I'm concerned at parents evening when, you know, if you say to a parent, oh, you know, oh, she, this, you know, she contributes all the time and she's so great, blah, 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 and the parents are like, oh, she doesn't talk at home. I know. You, like, oh, that, you know, but that's, that's so nice. You think that's so nice that that kid feels comfortable Oh yeah. To do that in your in your classroom, and they may not do that, you know, with their own family. So, mm. yeah, they are great. It's really important to create that safe space in your classroom for all your kids, isn't it? Oh my god, definitely, definitely. I mean, like, if, if I have a new class at the beginning of the year, it is made abundantly clear. You know, there's no there's no isms happening in my room. You know, oh, there's yeah. no sexism, no racism, no homophobia, no just any of these things happening because I will. Yeah, you will not hear the end of it otherwise. So the moment you, you do that, it. you see some of the kids are like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly," because you don't know what's going what's going on with you know with a lot of these kids and the struggles they're having. Mm. So it's so oh, important yeah. to just make them make them feel, you know, make them feel like they can talk to you. Oh, for sure. You know, if you had like a a message to give to anyone that really wants to go into teaching but was a bit unsure, what would what would it be? I would say I think the best thing to do, and it goes back to what I said before, is which is that so many of us draw on our own school experience and I think if you're thinking about going to teaching contact your local school obviously now it's quite difficult because of covid so schools are generally not actually too keen to have outsiders coming into school and stuff but when all this stuff calms down the best thing to do is go and visit a school even if it's for a day you know and you know we always have people come into our department if they're thinking about doing going to history teaching whatever and they come and spend a day going into different lessons and stuff but I think Go and get see what it's like. And if you're sitting in that classroom thinking, I'd love to be at the front doing that, then it's then it's then it's for you, I think. And I think but I think the key thing is is to is to experience what try to get a sense of what school is like now rather yeah. than what it was like on the other side, because it's very, very different. It's very, very different. Um and I would say my other piece of advice would be uh is to check what your social media presence is <laughs> because the kids are they're like psychos aren't they they will yeah, just find fantastic. you <laughs> it's just ridiculous so i'd also just have a just check that out because kids are just obsessed with you know finding out things about you and obviously i i'm out there quite a lot on social media through like the work that i do which is different i think but very think just be mindful mindful about that but yeah i think just i think speak but also if you can't go into a into a classroom talk to some actual teachers I think that's really, really important. Um, talk to some actual teachers, you know, and get a sense of whether you would, whether you'd be able to put up with a few things, which is the, the emotional load that comes with being a teacher. 
because you've got your five period day, but also at break time, you couldn't go to the loo because this kid came to talk to you about something that's happened at home. And then after school, you had to speak to a couple of parents. And then in the morning you had to, you know, do X, Y, and Z breakfast club things with these other kids, you know, and it's, it's just being mindful of the fact that it is, I think the biggest piece of advice actually is that it's not a, you know, 8.30 to 3.30 job. Oh, no, it you've got marketing, intervention. It's, it's, it's exactly, it's all those things, but it is, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. But just being mindful of, you know, I think if you sort of get, if you're, if you're doing it because you think it's going to be an easy life, then that's not the right reason to go into it. <laughs> oh, yeah, people think, people think that. The holidays, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the number one thing, actually, is what, stu- what I always hear, my, whenever my former talking about teachers, they, you know, kids rate the teachers that are the ones that know their stuff, ultimately. And I always say that. And I, and I always say to people, I always say this to NQTs, actually, I always say, you want to be the good teacher. You don't want to be the safe teacher. You know, the kids are like, oh, that, that, that teacher's safe. That teacher's safe. No, oh, you don't, you don't, don't, you don't want to be that, that teacher. You don't want to be that teacher. You want to be the teacher that the kids are like, she loves history. Yeah. No, <laughs> safe, safe means, oh, you know. we can get away with stuff. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You want and the, that's, it's a passion. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. buzz off the passion. Yeah, and if you exactly. love it, they love it. Yeah. And, and they, they want to know. Might, might be a bit crazy, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, they, you, they, but ultimately, you know, they feel safe in your hands, you know, oh. knowing that you can, you'll take them through their awful you know GCSE or whatever it is but I think if you've got if you've got a passion for a subject then that's a great place to start oh yeah for sure and finally I guess um where 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 would you like to see the history corridor grow, um, going and growing <laughs> oh, what, what are your plans girl um I t- oh, there's so many there's so many I was I know like I said I never expected the history corridor to take off in the way that it has I think it marries really well with the work that I do in school um i do a lot of training yeah uh, i, I train you know i train schools all over the country about how to embed diversity in their in within their school curriculum so i'm hoping that that training is going to keep i'm going to keep getting the support on that um, and going into as many schools as possible um i'm working on a few things at the moment i'm possibly doing something with the bbc soon um oh. which is really exciting um so yeah and again that's kind of a crossover between the work that i do with my school and the history corridor so yeah there's a few there's a few things maybe a few projects hopefully in the works but i have spent my half term writing posts for the history corridor <laughs> basically <laughs> that's um, amazing yeah so yeah i think hopefully there'll be some cool things happening in the future definitely that sounds absolutely incredible and inspirational. Honestly, Shalina, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. This has oh, been so thank you for having me. <laughs> good. Like, oh, so good. And you are really, really inspirational. And you're making such a difference. And I know you're going to continue to make such a difference. What a legacy you're going to leave behind, girl. Yeah. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, it's, and, and I echo Amir's comments. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Shalina. And, you know... I feel like students are in safe hands. They're, they're in good hands with the with teachers the likes of yourself. So uh, thank you very, very much for... Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. you, know, thank you. Generations. We love you, but you, you don't, don't love me. Bye. 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 I'm a little bit worried as to whether I pronounced her name properly or not. Me too, you know. Shalina or Shalina? Oh... I want for Shalina. Do you know what? Let us know, girl. I used to have a cousin called Shanila, 
Oh, did you? Yeah. I say used to. I mean, she's still my cousin, but <laughs> after I got abandoned, they're all dead to me. But anyway, um, she was really nice. I loved Shanila. I'm talking about my cousin right now. All right. She, <laughs> she was so nice. She had an older sister who became a dentist. Fun fact, her older sister was the one who they were trying to get me to marry. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. But anyway, Shanila was so nice because like, she used to always argue with my younger brother passionately. And she was so like... <laughs> she was she was amazing gosh i wonder what she's doing shanila if you're listening hey girl love you even though you know you guys kicked me out you don't love well, me yeah <laughs> you don't love me anywho what am i talking about <laughs> trauma aside shalina i'm saying shalina the queen of the history corridor i had such a good time and you know what i could have talked for hours and hours and hours and i can't wait to meet her and talk yes. hours and hours and hours because um I think she's such an inspiring teacher, educator, trainer, leader, um, influencer now. She's got she's she's doing everything. She has she's creating curric- amazing curriculum for her students, you know, around what they have to do. And she is training other people to be better at it, uh, you know, teaching history and what a legacy and what a difference she's making to the lives of young people. Like I yeah. I, I listen to her and I'm like, oh my God. You'd be you'd be a fantastic teacher for me, and I would love coming to your lessons. Yeah, I think she was great. She actually reminded me a little bit of my friend. She reminded me of my friend, oh, or yeah. my my best friend, who's also into teaching. And you know, I just love how sort of larger than life she is, and I love how giving she was. Mm. You know, uh, that was really really nice, and she's certainly got a nurturing bone in her. And I, you know, there's no surprise to me that. You know, someone of her caliber is such a fantastic teacher and educator. So, yeah, like I said, when we were interviewing her, you know, I know that the future of uh, education and, and kids' future is in safe hands, knowing that there's teachers like her out there. So thank you, Shalina. That's uh, very much appreciated. And also, I, it bears repeating, how has she got so many followers and she's not following a single person? Oh, the History Corridor's magical place. I'm here, Lady Bushra, Lady Dot Bushra, Lady Dot Bushra on Instagram, following every Bob, Dick and Harry, just so that I can get a few bloody likes. And here she is, genuine talent and interest, <laughs> getting <laughs> following. What is going on? Do I need to get naked? Does Bushra need to get naked on a sink and take pictures? No. Well, okay. I love how you call it Bob, Dick and Harry. I love how you always go against the grain. Is it Tom, Dick and Harry? Yeah. Well, listen. No, but I love that though. But also like us, like... We're here doing Halloween makeup looks, giving you podcast episodes, everything. Why can't we have your followers, History Corridor? You might be changing the world and educating the nation, but you know. Yeah, yeah, let's, um, let's work this one out. <laughs> anyway, that was a lot, a lot of fun talking to you about education, babe, and bringing Shalina into the conversation as well. I had so much fun, and I hope everyone listening enjoyed it too. Let us know your thoughts and opinions, and Let's open a dialogue up about your education. And if you're in teaching or thinking about it, get in touch. We can have a conversation about it. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, this was a very different episode. Mm, I really I, enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've had better times. Oh. <laughs> I'm only joking. I yeah. know, right? Yeah, no, it was good. It's good to see you passionate and alive. Um, <laughs> As opposed to being a dead bitch. Yeah, now that Halloween's over, keep it up, girl. <laughs> <sighs> and happy birthday to me thank you very much happy birthday to you i hope you have a great birthday um by the time it's episode out i would have had my birthday and so... i can i can tell you you will have a great birthday oh why lady bush was gonna strip to you no but, you know i'm sick of her i can't wait for her to die <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, she's sort of dead at the moment so 
Yeah. Um, no, she's not. She's alive and kicking. But um, yeah, no, you will have a great birthday. Thank I'm sure, you. Babe. And do you know what? That means that we are getting closer to Christmas. So, guys, we have a lot planned for you, guys. So Watch this space and talk to you all soon. Listen to this space. Watch this space. Do you know what? Do whatever you want. Pick a sense and do that to the space. <laughs> and we shall connect again very soon. Love you guys lots. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. But you, you don't, don't love me. Right. Jingle. I'm outside. Jingle. Thank you for listening to the You Don't Love Me podcast with Amir and Amir. Follow us on Instagram at You Don't Love Me Boys. Follow us also on Twitter at YDLM Boys. And you can also email us on You Don't Love Me Boys at Outlook.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.